0: Everything you need is at photobizhelp.com forward slash links. This episode of the Photo Business Help podcast is brought to you by one of my personal favorite places in Minneapolis, Studio Q. Studio Q is a 5,000 square foot studio in the heart of the Creative District in Northeast Minneapolis. The studio offers a welcoming and creative space for photographers, videographers, creatives, and small events. The studio includes a welcoming lounge area, co-working space, Full kitchen, prop area, private bathroom, and large shooting area. With a collection of backgrounds, food, and lifestyle props, Studio Q is everything you need for big or small projects. Join the studio for one hour, a full day, or co-work with them by the month. Ask about rates, book your next shoot, or request a studio tour on their website at studioqmpls.com. That's studio studioqmpls.com. MPLS.com. This is the Photo Business Help Podcast, a place for photographers who want to earn money with photography and live a better life. I'm your host, Natalie Jennings. Since going full-time in 2010, photography has brought me more freedom, income, and opportunities than I ever imagined. It's been so positive for me that I want to show you everything I know. You'll learn more than just businessy things, though, including my favorite ways to be mindful and happier on this journey. (laughs) it's fine I might just leave this in there you're tuned into the photo business help podcast my name is Natalie Jennings I'm your host this is part three of a of a three-part workshop that I am bringing to you for people interested in food photography if you missed episodes one and two, or parts one and two of this, rather. You'll want to go back and check those out. These are sort of working in sequence to help you get set up with the basics if you're interested in exploring food photography. I'm joined by Kristen Olson, who is a Minneapolis-based photographer and food expert. Kristen has worked as a food photographer and recipe developer supporting food brands like Target, Rosada Wines, Lakewinds Co-op, Dia Foods, and Bushel Boy. After a 10-year career with General Mills in the Betty Crocker test kitchens, Kristen launched Quincy Street Kitchen as a way to share her love of food, content creation, and storytelling for big and small companies in the food space. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you for being here
1: again. Thank you. Yeah.
0: So today we're going to talk about the gear that you use to shoot most of the food photography that you do. Again, reminder, head back for Styling is part one and lighting is part two of this little series if you miss those but today is all about gear and you and I are both canon shooters so not anything against any other brand but I think we'll be speaking the same language a little bit in terms of focal lengths and and stuff like that give people a little idea
1: of what you um what you use when you shoot food yeah um so I have a um DSLR it is a canon um 5D Mark IV. And it's a professional level camera, but honestly, all food photography and photography in general can be done on whatever camera you have in hand, which oftentimes for me is my iPhone. You know, professional cameras are great for, um, you know, selling your uh, your photos or working with commercial photographers and um, agencies and all that. But... Does not mean that um, an iPhone is not just as good.
0: I appreciate you saying that because I think, you know, just to test out some of these techniques, whether it's arranging or lighting or whatever, I mean, I think just being able to play with it on your phone and kind of see what you like before you get all set up is totally valuable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I use my iPhone for food photography all the time because, like, having a DSLR, it's kind of big and clunky, and I don't always have it on hand. Um, the the new iPhones have like such amazing cameras on them, and portrait mode works for most things um, that can give you that depth of field that you're looking for in a in a photo. So yeah, don't knock it. it- it definitely works. <laughs> but yeah, on a professional level, I do have uh, three lenses that um, are in heavy rotation here at Quincy Street Kitchen. They are amazing lenses that work for 99% of the food photography that I do. I first started off with a um, 50 millimeter. so there is a lens out there called the Nifty 50, and if anyone is new to photography, that is... The lens to get. It is as close to the like the way that you see the world through your eyes and is easy to work with. It's a fixed lens and high quality. I love it. It's even the nifty-50 where it's like what, are they like a hundred dollars now? They're they're incredible. Um I have one that is uh the EF50 millimeter, I think it's a 1.2. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I have a 1.2. So I can work in lower light. Uh it has a shallower depth of field, but Honestly, not necessary if you're just starting out Um, great ones.
0: Yeah. Well, and one of the things, you know, when I dabbled very briefly in food photography years ago, sometimes shooting wide open on something like a 1.2 isn't great because you get like the tip of the something and you and it just, you know, blurs everything out, which can be absolutely gorgeous if that's what you're going for. But if you're really trying like in our last uh, episode, if you're really trying to get that texture and stuff. That's wide open is not necessarily at all how you want to
1: go. Definitely. No, I completely agree. I think maybe 15 years ago, a really, really like a, like a razor thin depth of focus was like probably on trend, but I think being able to see what the, like what the whole plate is, or even just like the front of the burger, rather than losing, um, you know, you, you get that little edge of, of the lettuce that's in focus and then everything else is out of focus. Like, that's not really what you're going for.
0: <laughs> so, that's so funny. That was the analogy I was going to use. I was oh. thinking about a, bur- a a burger I shot and I was like, and then there's the lettuce, clear as day.
1: <laughs> I, but nothing else is in focus. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, it's happened. Um, I've even done it and I've regretted it. So having a lens that can that can shoot wide open like that is great for some things. Not necessarily for food photography, so. Yeah, what are the the other two? So I also love the 100 millimeter macro lens. So this is one that I pull out when I'm looking for like super close up detail. So we had talked in, I think, episode one um, of our... uh, about the strawberry and the detail that you can get in a strawberry, th- this is the lens for that. So you, it's a macro lens, it's 100 millimeter, it's um, also a fixed lens. And so this one is just incredible for getting that super close up detail. I wouldn't say getting a full tablescape would be an ideal setting for this one, but really, really close up detail shots. It's great for cocktails too, because it does have some of that interest and depth and then is able to really uh, blur out that background really nicely. So it really makes sure that your eye is focused on whatever that hero item is in your photo.
0: That's Um, cool. Is it something you'd use for also like maybe the tops of cupcakes or is that, do you have any other examples of what you use the macro for?
1: The macro I'll probably use for fruits, vegetables. um, If you want like a, a pasta dish where you're not trying to get the plate. You're really just trying to get um, from the left side of the frame to the right side of the frame. The the dish itself, the pasta, and the movement of the noodles. Uh, maybe there's some roasted vegetables in there. That's kind of where you're going with this one. It's very close up. Um, but really a high attention to detail is kind of what this what this lens is all about.
0: Awesome, that's cool. And just for those of you not shooting Canon, there are macro lenses available. This is you know, just the one that we're happy to be talking about if you're interested in exploring those. <laughs> Definitely. All right, so
1: lens number three. Lens number three is my workhorse. Um, so it's a 24 to 70 um, and it is versatile. I put it on um, whenever I'm trying to do like a ton of photos in a session, and just need that versatility. So it goes, um, you know, up close to wide open, and is just a really, really flexible lens. This one is also what I tend to use most when I'm doing top-down photography because I can open it up a little bit wider and be able to have the camera at a a height from the table where I don't have to be like standing on a ladder, which is, you know, kind of tough sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So so the 24-70 to is really great for um, just versatility say that's probably 75% of the time that's what I'm shooting with. The the 2470 also has some um, warping to it. So you have to kind of configure it again in um, post-production. It does have it gives gives things a a bit of a curvature that you may not necessarily want in in some of your photos, so.
0: Yeah, and that's true with like the the wider you go and um, you can do it, for those of you that are familiar with Lightroom, there's a way to click a lens correction kind of, you can fix some of that um, pretty well actually these days, but um, that's definitely something to look out for too. You don't want like warped tables
1: yeah no if you're shooting um like if you're shooting a variety of items on a tablescape sometimes the glasses um, almost look like they're pointing in different directions so like a glass on the right side of the table is pointing very heavily to the right and one that's on the left side is pointing very heavily to the left that is really what you're trying to avoid um, by doing that lens correction you can kind of fix it a little bit by putting some um, tacky like we literally use like poster tacky Um, when you hang posters, we use that a lot in food photography to prop things up, keep things stable, keep, uh, an orange from rolling off the set. Um, and that works really well for kind of just putting a little, little bit of it underneath the glass so that you can knock it back and, uh, make sure it's not leaning quite so badly in your, in your photo.
0: That's a great tip. I would have never thought of that, but that's hilarious. People are like, where do I get those glasses? Those cool
1: curved glasses.
0: (laughs) Just my um, lens, just the lens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great. I mean, that's a great kit to shoot with. I mean, you wouldn't need anything other than that. And hopefully, those of you listening, um, you know, don't feel overwhelmed. I always say this, if you're familiar with listening to me, that you know, and we already addressed this, but like an iPhone is just as good as anything else in terms of concept and getting out there and practicing and seeing what you like. You don't need to buy all the things in order to be great at this and produce some great photos so definitely don't get down on yourself if it's not in budget or whatever there's um stuff to do so so we've covered in these three episodes again if you missed one and two one we talked about how to arrange arrange the food that you want to photograph in episode two we talked about lighting setup and, and gear and then this was uh more of the equipment so Kristen, is there anything else you want to add for, you know, anything at all to do with this topic uh,
1: for new food
0: photographers?
1: I'd say just find a food photographer or a handful of them that you love their work and then study it. So which direction is the light coming from? How close are they to the food? What angle are they photographing it at? What what do you love about it? And sort of pull it apart and then do your best to kind of replicate that in your own kitchen or at the you know dinner table while you're at a restaurant, and then take those skills and and just kind of play with it. So food is fantastic because it doesn't have to sit there and wait while you are changing the lights um, and get impatient and and be like, oh, I'm kind of bored. The food will sit there and it'll wait for you as long as you need it to. Um, the the herbs may wilt a little bit, but in all reality it's not going anywhere. So take your time and <laughs> find the best angle, uh, try different varieties of light and, and just play with it. Feel feel free to play with your food. Very
0: cool. And one more question. What, what would you say if you had to recommend a quote-unquote easy, very photogenic food to practice with and something that might be like, oh, this is actually pretty difficult to get a good photo of. So if you're just starting out, you know, kind of what to think about in terms of actual meals.
1: Sure. Um, I would say, like you mentioned, cupcakes. Cupcakes are great. Pick them up at the bakery. You don't have to make them yourself. Um, They they have a lot of interest and texture and color and they come in a variety of sizes and you can put them on a pedestal. You can put them on a plate. You can put them on a shelf. Like, you can put them anywhere. Um, and just enjoy the adventure of playing around with them. Th- those are probably easiest because they're, they're not going anywhere. Uh, they won't melt. Um, they won't wilt. But on the other hand, ice cream. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Any f- any frozen item like ice cream or popsicles, that's a bit more challenging. Uh, unless you are going for a very melty, messy <laughs> scene which by all means is so much fun. Um it's it, that is probably not what I would start with. I would start with something that's not going anywhere like a cupcake. Okay. That's great. Well, thank you so
0: much. And finally, where can people find you online? Yeah. Um I am on all of the social media platforms at Quincy Street Kitchen. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. And a reminder to go back, check this out. This is a three-parter for beginner food photography photographers. If that applies to you, you know who you are. If you'd like to join the listener-only Facebook group and ask questions about food photography or any other photo-based questions you have, you can head to photobizhelp.com forward slash community. That's photobizhelp.com forward slash community. We'd love to see you there. Thank you for listening. I'm here every Tuesday and Thursday with new Photo Business Help episodes. And remember, in everything that you want to achieve, consistency is key. I'll be back soon.